welcome to Robots for Eyes episode 8. Wow, nearly to the double figures now. This is going to be a difficult one. We've not had too much time to, to get this one together. We've had a, an incident. Uh, yeah. People that obviously don't know us, me and Rob are brothers. And uh, today, my dad managed to chop his finger off. So we've spent um, a good portion of the day uh, just trying to get that sorted. So, so the podcast has gone on to the, uh, the back burner for a little bit, but yeah. that doesn't mean we're not going to do it. We're still going to do it, but... Maybe might, might be a bit funny in places, but yeah, yeah, we've not we're not really set up for it really, but we we will get it done. Yeah, I, I like to go through it um, be, obviously before we record, so I know exactly. I've got all my facts in order. I've got all my research in order. That's sort of been slightly rushed, so yeah. um, uh, we're gonna uh, we're just gonna plough through it anyway. And if it's shit, sorry, it won't be uh, won't be shit <laughs> yeah. again. But there's not like we well, can we'll do. get it sorted. Robots for Eyes on Facebook, as always, contact us. And the email is... RobotsforEyes at gmail.com. Right. Lovely. This episode is going to be on reincarnation. I didn't know any... I don't know anything, really, about reincarnation. Uh, I didn't have any particular um, thoughts as to whether it was real or or, or, or a lot of rubbish. Um, But I decided to basically have a look... Read about it. Is there anything? Is it interesting enough to? Yeah, it is. There's a lot more to this than than look than meets the eye. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm not gonna go. We're not gonna cover cases that uh, involve adults re, uh, uh, sort of recounting stories that they claim to be true. The, the main reason is adults lie. Yeah, and the kids' minds aren't fully uh, right. So that whatever they yeah, say, it's, it's, more yeah. Yeah, it's more and, innocent. Yes, more innocent. And also, some of the things that I will relate. Um, it's it's literally, it's, it's it's almost literally impossible for for the kids to know what they knew uh, and recounted. So we're going to stick with 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 uh, child cases. That doesn't mean Auntie Mildred's not born in Egypt or whatever. I just I just think that's more it's more open to interpretation. Um, so we're going to stick, like I say, with the kids. I want to start with this quote from a, a, a lady called Cray uh, Mullis. She's a Nobel Prize win- winner in chemistry, 1993. She said, if reincarnation is a useful biological idea, it is certain that somewhere in the universe it will happen. Right. That makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. The most compelling reincarnation cases are those which uh, involve small children, um, and it's the ones where the kids can relay facts which, can, which, which are followed up through research and proven to be true, yeah, that's caught my caught my attention. You know, how can kids know things that they shouldn't know unless they can read, and they can't read unless their parents are telling them things that they don't know themselves? It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Yeah. Typically, in these cases, a child will start telling his or her parents about a past uh, incarnation as soon as they learn to speak. So straight off the bat, that as soon as they can open their mouth and words come out, they're chatting. Mad crazy shit. Yeah, shit which has happened there, which isn't them. Yep. Well, the memories can include uh, their name from a past life, as well as their parents and family members from prior incarnations. The child may also recall the name of the city or the town that they live in. Now, these are important because when they um, are able to discern details like that, it gives researchers sort of, you know, a point to, to, to aim at. Yeah. It's not just... Mad talk. You're telling us. Yeah, they're, they're literally pinpointing it to somewhere as well. Exactly. Which, which is something which they don't even know about, most likely. They don't even know what the area is, but yet they do. When you're an 18 month old child. Exactly. And you're going, Minnesota or something like yeah, that. Yeah. Like, what? Saying yeah. words that you've not learned. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Say. Mental words. So when a child provides enough uh, information, the parents involved, all researchers are able, because a lot of this stuff goes to research, because at this point, when when the kids are chatting crazy stuff and it's starting to freak people out, they they um, there are places and there are research groups that will will help them and um, and uh, you know aid them in their in their research to try and at least help the child overcome what they're obviously going through. And a lot of these cases, it it's, it, it appears that something is going on. Yeah, something is de- is definitely going on. Um, you know they. Uh, the, the child will identify past life family members by their names. They'll also see individuals in photographs and recognise them, even though they've never met them and they know who they are, right, yeah. which is really, really bizarre. The child can know information and secrets about their past life that only members of the uh, the family would be aware of. 
Yeah. So that's really, really, really uh, peculiar. Um, how how do you, how is it possible? Because what we're saying here is we're saying that it appears that some young children uh, know things that they haven't learned. Yeah. It, they're, they're saying stuff that is true, as in like places and objects and stuff, but they shouldn't know about them because they're too young to know for a start. Yes. So, so we, we know that this happens, yeah. but, but how do they know what they know? Yeah. What are the theories? One theory um, is a theory called gene memory. Uh, gene memory is the idea that the offspring can inherit some of the parents' memories carried through in their genes, in their genes to help the offspring recognise traumatic events before they occur. Your brain is somehow uploaded with prior knowledge of events before they happen. I'm not talking like seeing the future. But um, in, in uh, verifiable experiments, uh, the offspring of parents who have been programmed to respond in certain ways, they, they respond to things that they have never seen before. Yeah. So they're not knowing the future, but they know what something is, having never seen it. Yeah. It's a very, very peculiar uh, way to sort of think about how it's possible... To, to pass memories down. Um, experiments have been done, and uh, they show that this appears to actually be happening. Um, there are some researchers, though, who are sceptical of the findings because these experiments, I'll, I'll discuss, I'll go through one of the experiments in a bit, but the experiments, they, they prove that it happens, but they haven't identified a biological mechanism, yeah. so, so they can't it, measure it. But it, it definitely happens because... How I think of it, think of just anything like a pig or a, an animal. They know how to suckle and stuff. Um, that must be passed down because how would they know in the first place, if you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's just a, a more complex way of passing stuff down. Yes. The, the, these experiments will show um, how you can, I suppose, obviously when we'll get into it, you, you, you'll see that they're kind of programming instincts. I don't know whether this could be classed as memory, but it's it's a way of explaining how somebody in a family can know something that they have no prior knowledge to. Yeah. If something is going on. Now, th these, these are some of the uh, experiments that have occurred that show this happening factually. They, they know it occurs, but they just can't find a biological reason why. Um, some experiments have shown that traumatic events can affect the DNA in sperm and alter the brain behavior of subsequent generations. There's a study that's been done on mice that were trained to avoid a smell passed on to the fear. Uh, sorry, I'll start that again. Trained to avoid a smell, and they passed on that fear of the smell to their, to their grandchildren. Well, that's interesting. Yep. Experts said the results of the um, experiment were very important for phobia and anxiety research because if you, if you are... Um, Inherently scared of spiders, even though you've never seen one, they yeah. may be able to mitigate that feeling if yeah. they understand what's causing it. I suppose that's how, yeah, that's how people can be or have all these phobias in the first place. I suppose it could be, yeah, it but, makes you know sense. arachnophobia. That could be because it's passed down. It could, it could have been. It could be that a distant relative, yeah, saw someone got bit by a spider and went fuck that. It, whenever you see them little hairy, could be, because where would away. it come from? You know what I mean? It's it's it's, it's an irrational fear. Or is it rational yeah. if you have been load if you your brain has been somehow uploaded with that that information? Yeah, uh, the animals in this experiment were trained to fear the smell of cherry blossom. The team, uh, this was a team at a university uh, school of medicine in the USA, um, then looked at what was happening inside the sperm. They showed that sections of DNA responsible for sensitivity to cherry blossom scent were made more active in the mice's sperm, right? Okay. Both the mice offspring and their offspring's offspring were extremely sensitive to cherry blossom and would avoid the, spent, the scent despite never having seen or experienced it in their lives. Their brains were somehow uploaded with information before birth. There's been... Um, Various other experiments where they um, uh, make animals fear a hawk that you know ch yeah. chicks have never seen, but yet they'll still respond to a hawk like fuck. Yeah, yeah. So they know how they know. We don't know. No. We can't track down the biological mechanism, so it's it's difficult to measure, so to speak. It's but so it's so complex, isn't it? So it's not saying that it because you can't measure it. 
you can't actually find the reason why this is occurring doesn't mean it's not occurring. Yeah. It just means you don't know why it's occurring. Um, this ex- explanation, gene memory, memories being passed on in your genes through your, um, your parents, this explanation would explain how reincarnation could occur within families, i.e. something seems impossible for a particular child to know, but yet they know it. Interfamily reincarnation, the memory of the child is being passed down from a relative. Yeah. So we have... Um, I'm not saying that is the case, but it seems plausible to me that if we can... Well, it's, it's kind of like a survival technique, I'd imagine. Yeah. A bit of a... You know, if, if there's fear in someone, they can pass that down into the genetics. There's a reasonable fear of, you know, I don't know, which can cause death. Then it's, it's rational for it to actually be passed down as as DNA for to survive as a species, it'd be very useful. Yeah, it'd be very useful. Um, it, and if this is, uh, you can verify that this is the case in experiments with mice. It may well be the same with people. Now, I don't think that what is being passed on, like when someone says that they, they, you know, as we'll go into a story in a bit, that someone's claiming to be their granddad. Yeah, I don't. Th- they may think that they are. But I think they're just experiencing the memories that their granddad had. And because they are aware of the memories, people assume that, oh, it mu- they must be yeah. reincarnated. Not no. necessarily. There may be knowledge being passed on in a different way that yes. we don't understand. A complex DNA thing. Okay, right. So this is a, an example of um, uh, interfamily reincarnation. Um, when I was your age, I changed your diaper, right? This was said by a child less than two years old to his father, Ron. Ron thought it was a very strange thing to say, but he figured that he'd misheard him. But as soon as baby Sam made similar remarks over the next few months, Ron and his wife, Kathy, gradually pieced together an odd story. The Sam with no, uh, Sam, with no life experience, he's a baby, yeah. he's got literally no life yeah. experience. He believed he was his deceased grandfather, Ron's late father, uh, more intrigued than alarmed, and then alarmed, Ron and his wife Kathy asked Baby Sam, "How did you come back?" He just said, "I I went whoosh through a portal." I mean, through a portal. That's what he said. Now he's he's a baby at this point. Um, although Sam was very young, he'd been speaking in full sentences since the age of eighteen months. His parents were stunned to hear him, hear him use the word like uh, like portal. As far as they yeah, knew, because how would you know about that? Well, exactly. That age? You, even even been able to say it would be hard to at that age. Well, as far as they knew, they they he he couldn't have possibly. I mean, unless he's heard it on TV. But but even then, does he understand no, what portal I've is? I've come through a portal. It, I could, if a kid says something to do with a portal, he would, probably wouldn't say, I've come through a portal, because he wouldn't understand the concept of that. It's a very peculiar yeah. thing for a, a, for, a small, for a small child to say, I came through a portal. Um, when they realised that something odd was going on, uh, when he would speak, they'd probe him for more information. They asked Sam if he had any siblings, because obviously they knew the granddad. They, yeah, know, yeah, they yeah. know the granddad's uh, life story. They know what's happened to him. But this little boy is ignorant to that. Yeah. He does not know any of this. So they press him for questions, but they wouldn't give him any information. So they'd hold the information back. I mean, unless they'd mentioned it around him and he's able to subconsciously hear uh, and then pull that memory up at a later date to, uh, to, to, to tell them when they ask him a question. It seems like a bit of a, a far-reaching yeah. explanation. But nevertheless, they, they, they would ask him questions. They asked Sam if he'd had any siblings, and he replied that he had a sister who turned into a fish. <laughs> right, yeah. Which is the bit... LSD. Well, yeah. He <laughs> tur- turned into she turned into a fish. So they said they asked him who turned her into a fish, and he replied, "Some bad guys. She died." Eerily enough, Sam's grandfather had a sister who was murdered sixty years earlier. And her body was found floating in San Francisco Bay. Ron and Kathy then gently asked Sam, do you know how you died? Apparently, according to them, he jerked back and slapped the top of his head as if in pain. One year before Sam was born, his grandfather died of a cerebral uh, hemorrhage. uh, Basically, his brain popped. (laughs) He had it. Um, How he could know this, I I can't, I don't know. It's difficult to see how... Gene memory would explain this because the the memory of the grandfather uh, dying 
has all has occurred after it, yeah. his parent after he's had his son his parents were born so there is no genetic link from that memory happening being passed to the parents yeah. because they were already born yeah, yeah, yeah. so i don't see how he how he could have he could know that unless there's something yeah cuz yeah like you say if 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 the granddad's son wasn't born by that point which would be then it'd be virtually impossible it's impossible like that it's, it's kind of like that sounds like he he he's is literally being reincarnated into him. What's going on there? What what do you think's happening? That's not a DNA thing because, like you say, he was born before he died, yeah, sort exactly. of thing. So that can't can that cannot happen. It, I I can't. I was I was looking for explanations uh, regarding um, uh, memory being passed through the genes, but I can't see how this would work yeah. in this instant because right. it, the timelines don't match up. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. But there are some really, really, truly bizarre and strange cases, which I, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have... My opinion on this is, um, is, is open. I, I, can't, I don't know what's going on. I yeah. don't claim to know what's going on. All I'm doing is relating the facts of, of certain stories that I've found, and they are hard to argue with. They're hard to describe in any other way that, than what they are. Yeah. They, 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 these kids, for some, for some reason, ha, ha, have memories in their minds that, they sh- that shouldn't be there. Um, these research accounts become harder to explain when children have birthmarks that correspond to injuries that the people they are claiming to be actually had. In some cases, the birthmarks is in the same shape and the same position as traumatic wounds that killed the people they are claiming to be. Right. How, yeah. how a little kid of three would know that? Is it's too complex for, for a kid to know anything like that anyway. No, it, it's... A, complex for me. Yeah, it's... A, <laughs> Well, we'll we'll go into um, th- this one. Is is the f- I mean the first story is is, is fascinating. Um, you know, I, I'm your granddad. I was my, I was the gr- I was granddad, and I clean I changed your diapers. That's you know a very interesting story. But it goes because that's the yeah, like you say that's a memory, isn't it as well? It, so yeah, they could he could have he could have heard the parents talking because it's into family. They may he, he's surrounded by the family. Of course, they're going to talk about granddad. That's you know he may have picked up on that. So you can. It's difficult to explain that one away, but it's easier than these. These ones are almost impossible to explain in any other way than what they are. Okay, I'm going to recount this this story. These are regarding birthmarks um, and how they relate to um, past lives in a a very creepy way. Um, A three-year-old boy in the Golan Heights region near the border of Syria and Israel said he was murdered with an axe in his previous life he showed villagers where he was murdered, right? His body, and sh- they showed him where the, uh, he was murdered and where his body was buried. And sure enough, they found a man's skeleton where this three-year-old told him that it was going to be. He also showed them where the murder weapon was. And upon digging, they did in, find, did in fact find the axe there. Uh, this this story was witnessed by various researchers. Uh, there was a doctor, Ellie. Um, she's best known for developing medical systems in Gaza as part of, the, of Israel's government operations during the sixties. Um, so sh- this isn't these aren't people that are just you know self proclaimed psychics doing yeah. this. These are trained doctors that are are coming across very peculiar stories and think that it's worth pursuing and researching. For a DNA thing um, on that, I don't think that would be the case on that one because if he's been axed to death, where how would he know where the murder weapon is? When I go into this story, because that was just a brief sort of outline of what we go, when right, I go yeah, into yeah. the story, you'll you, you'll see that it's that is not the case. Yeah. Something else is happening. What? I don't know. But the boy was of, uh, I think it's pronounced Druze, the Druze ethnic group. Uh, and in his, in his culture, the existence of reincarnation is accepted as fact. So right. it's not, nothing weird to them. They, it's, you know, it's just normal. His story, nevertheless, has the power to surprise even his own community. So they believe in reincarnation, yeah. but it shocked them. Yeah. This was a, you know, a special case. He was born with a long red birthmark on his head, the Druze believe, uh, as of some of the cultures do, that the birthmarks are related to past life deaths. When the boy was old enough to talk, so he's still younger, he's only just talking, yeah. he told his family that he'd been killed by a blow to the head with an axe, and that's what the birthmark represents. It's a very strange thing 
for a three-year-old to say. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even think I knew what a, an axe was or murder when I was a yeah. toddler. But be hard to be too complex to put an axe and murder together, yep. for, especially for a three-year-old. But, but this, this wouldn't, they wouldn't know what murder is. I'm pretty sure of that. To exactly. be honest. Well, this little kid said, "Oh, this birthmark on the back of my head—that's where someone stuffed an axe into my skull and killed me." Nice. And you'd be like, "What?" So the boy knew the village where he was supposedly from. Uh, so researchers went there. Well, why not? If he's saying I was, you know, Dave Smith and I was born up the road, go there. He's telling you facts. This yeah. this can be verified or disproved. Yeah. Let's go and have a look. So they went. When they arrived in the town, the boy remembered the name of his past life. So as he was starting to see the area, it, it sort of was back memories jogging memories. Yeah, 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 yeah. Apparently, a local man said that the boy was claiming to be the reincarnation of a man who had gone missing four years earlier. Right, so okay, yeah. Alarm so there's, bells. There's four years. So he's given given a date in a way as well. well. It's alarm bells now because um, he's claiming that he was murdered, and the first person they speak to in the village said, "Oh, you're claiming to be the geezer yeah. that went missing yeah. four years ago." Yeah. So that's weird. So there's a, there's all all there's a connection there yeah. straight away. He's, he's got that bang on. The boy also re- remembered the full name of his killer, who still lived in the town. When they confronted the man, the killer's face turned white, but he didn't admit to murder. Okay. He just remained silent. The boy then said that he could take the researchers to where his body was buried, and in that very spot, they found a man's skeleton with a head wound that corresponded to the boy's birthmark. And they also found, as we said earlier, the axe that was used to kill him. (laughs) Uh, What's going on? Yeah, that's insane. Faced with this evidence, the murderer admitted to the crime. So, yeah, so he admitted it as well, yeah. Yeah, 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 he's done. Yeah, fucking hell. He's done. How can you explain it? You can't explain that with gene memory. I I don't know. That is literally unexplainable, isn't it? Well, the murderer was found by a toddler who knew everything about the murder because he says he was the one killed. He knew the precise locations of the body, the weapons, and how he died. And this all occurred before he was born. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, Because he's only three and it happened four years ago, so, yeah. I don't understand. I literally don't understand. It would be one hell of a fluky guess if he got that right. But it's it's, it's, it's not it's not a guess. It's not the only case of, yeah. of these things. There's a, an, another case that we'll, we'll go into in a minute. It's a, it's a bit of a long a longer story, but um, it's it's worth it's worth going into. It, it, I I am perplexed. I can't I can't figure this out. I, I I literally have no idea what's going on. Something is happening. If that's all true, the only way I can think of that is 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 literally. His, if there's such a thing as a soul or something, and it, and everything's just gone passed on to him a year later, who knows? Somehow, who knows? Is there a soul? I don't know. It could be. Yeah, you might be right. I, well, I don't believe in all the all, all the souls and all that type of stuff, but but that, I, I don't know how you would explain that unless it was just the biggest and flukiest guess ever. The odds on that would be ridiculous. Get him to put money on the fucking lottery every week. You win every week. Well, if you thought the odds were steep on that one, this next one is is beyond yeah. steep. This one is basically you just have to accept it. There's it's not really any proper mind fuck one. You just have to accept yeah, this one yeah. because it, I mean, unless it's all bullshit, but it's not because it's all researched through. It just it defies explanation. Have they said any explanation? Have they tried to put anything forward? Have they just gone? This is just freaky shit. To um, be uh, yeah. We, don't, the, know, we the, don't know how he's done it. It's just It just happened. The researchers are effectively saying that there's um, a connect. A, so, there's obviously something happening, but what? We don't know. There's a connection. I mean, is it that? Is it a soul? Is it being... Re- I don't know. Is it being reborn? I, I, you know, I'm not religious. I don't believe no. in heaven. I don't believe in hell. But, and I still don't, even if this is, is, is proven to be the case, yeah. that, I still don't believe in heaven. Uh, I just I, think yeah. something is happening that we don't know. Yeah. I don't believe in, in in heaven and hell. I don't believe in ghosts and whatnot. But some stuff you think, how 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 is that possible? Yeah. How is that possible? This next one's a modern day case, and it's a fucking mental one. Um, this is uh, about the past life memories of a, a little boy called James uh, Leninger. Um, he's a six year old who remembers a plane crash that killed him that occurred off the Japanese coast during World War Two. <laughs> right, okay. And he remembered this yeah. when he was two. Right, he started recounting and telling his parents 
that he died in a plane crash. In World War Two. Yeah. And but, he was two. But he didn't just say, oh, it was World War Two. I mean, we'll, we'll go into it. Uh, he, was get, he was having nightmares. Um, they began when he was two years old. His parents, Bruce and Andrea, uh, were troubled by this, as you would be, because these nightmares were quite brutal by all accounts. Yeah. They're not just regular nightmares if he's reliving his death. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty extreme. Um, the nightmares were coming as many as four times a week, and James would violently kick and scream with his feet up in the air. Uh, it appeared as if he was fighting with something or he was uh, buried in a box, um, maybe trying to get out. The only way they, they could escape the nightmares was his parents to w- wake him up, just literally pull, yeah, him, yeah. pull him out of it. Um, the nightmares were out of control. Uh, James was fascinated with aeroplanes. This is obviously important. Um, since before he was two, basically his entire life. He's just always loved them. Yeah, yeah. Um, but something James would utter during one nightmare would make uh, apparently the, the hairs on his mum's neck stand up. She uh, This freaked her out. Uh, he said um, he would say, airplane, crash, on fire, little man can't get out. Right? Yeah. So that's a bit weird. He seems to be... I mean, just that in itself, that's strange coming from a little kid. Because yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's sort of describing knowledge of, of, a, of a crash. Of a crash and, and, how, it, and how it happens. Yeah. And, yeah. And, a me- and a method of dying. Yeah. It's like a whole sequence to yeah. which can actually happen. That kids usually at that age wouldn't have a clue. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so his parents began to rack their brains about the source of this information, which they believe was fueling the nightmares. They were educated people. Um, so they began to analyse their dinner conversations, thinking that maybe he was picking up on things that they said or thinking uh, he was watching television um, or, or other things that could influence him. Um, but th- they, they, they weren't involved in aviation uh, and their two-year-old couldn't even read. There didn't seem to be any logical explanation as to why he was saying what he was saying. Yeah. They're not talking about flying aeroplanes at dinner. You know, they're not talking about World War II. This little child of two is just, spot- he's just saying it. It's just coming out of it. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, it's it's a disturbing amount of information. Um, looking for answers, they began to seek help outside of their home. Uh, the nightmares weren't going away, and the Leningers didn't know what they could do to stop them. They seemed to be no possible cures. Um, then Andrea's mother, uh, who was called um, Barbara Scroggin, which is a badass name, Scroggin. That is pretty cool. <laughs> she suggested an explanation that later seemed to be the right answer. She says that James might be experiencing a past life memory. After reading uh, about a counsellor by the name of Carol Bowman, Mrs. Scroggin explained how Mrs. Bowman was an expert on child phenomena and that was similar to what James was experiencing. So James's mum, Andrea, called her immediately. After several discussions with Mrs. Bowman, Andrea took their advice and began to talk to James about his nightmares right after they'd happened. Okay. And as a result, the nightmares decreased dramatically. The uh, intensity and the fear started to drop. So as soon as they were able to ask the child to, to relate what he was experiencing, it seemed to aid, uh, sort of ease the, uh, the, the stress that he was going through. Yeah. Um, this, this is one thing that uh, Mrs. Bowman, the researcher, says. She says that when we are dreaming, our conscious minds are not filtering material as we are when we are awake in the awakened state. So unconscious material, including past life memories, emerge, Mrs. Bowman explains. It is not uncommon for young, for young children to dream of their previous lives. We tend to notice them in nightmares because they disturb the sleep and are often very dramatic. Real stories, as in James' case, are quite harrowing. Yeah. So I don't know if this is the case. Because if we can't measure it and we can't prove it, what this woman is saying is, is just speculation. Yeah. Okay? Um, the side effect, which Bo- Mrs. Bowman expected, was that James' statement about the crash airplane uh, and the man who would become more detailed got more and more real. She suspected that as you ask him more questions and he becomes more relaxed, he's going to start relating more details. They say, uh, the parents said that they believe their son had no knowledge of World War II or of a pilot named J- J- uh, what's his name? James Houston Jr. Uh, but this is the the person that their son is claiming to be. They couldn't explain it. Now, during the day, James began to consciously... So he's not asleep now. It's as he's getting older, 
he's beginning to consciously, whilst awake, mention how his plane took off from the water and the Japanese shot his plane down. He even began to be more specific with the plane destinations and the name of the aircraft carrier that was stationed near Japan during World War II. The eerie and specific details caused his father, Bruce, to take up, research, take up a research quest uh, and try and determine if these nuggets of information coming out there, little baby son, were facts. Were they just mindless bollocks? Or was, was this little boy actually yeah, relaying facts? Stuff, yeah. Because he's getting specific now. Yeah. He's, getting, he's saying in Japan. and he's, yeah, saying, he's, yeah, he's giving countries and areas yeah. and stuff. Through all their research spanning nearly five years, through thousands of declassified documents, personal interviews and military resources, Bruce and Andrea say that they are now finally sure of one thing. Their son is somehow linked to a World War II Navy pilot by the names of James N. Houston Jr., who died in 1945. Bruce and Andrea say they began to see signs of a link with their son when James was 20 months old. Whilst moving from Richardson, Texas to Lafayette in February the year 2000, Bruce took James to a flight museum in Addison, Texas. Andrea says planes had always been his fixation. He spent hours playing with toy planes and he would yell if he saw one in the air. Yeah. Now, that's nothing unusual. You know. No, no kids like that. Don't know they, they, if they like something, no, they will. That's yeah. how they, they react to stuff. Oh, yeah, when I see planes now. Whee! Yeah! <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, his dad recalls uh, his son being mesmerised with the planes at the museum. Uh, he said his son kept wandering back to the World War II section of the museum. When he tried to take him away, he would scream and shout and basically kick up a fuss. And they spent nearly three hours there. Um, eventually, in order to get him out, his dad bought him a... Uh, just a video of um, uh, Blue Angels, which I think are sort of the American version of the Red Arrows. Right, yeah. Just some stunting. Yeah. And he, he said he basically just wore the tape out. He watched it. He watched it constantly. Yeah, yeah, he loved it. But, you know, kids do things like that. Uh, so after they got settled in their new home in Lafayette, James's nightmares began. Bruce and Andrea first attributed their son's nightmares to being in a new home with unfamiliar sounds. But when they didn't stop, the parents' interests went to a whole new level. Uh, meanwhile, the furniture was taking a beating from his his uh, planes because he'd be taking them off on tables, yeah, yeah, yeah. and things. Uh, he, he he crashing became an obsession to him. Um, whenever somebody mentioned flying, James would bur- uh, would blurt out "plane crash on fire," which was right, unnerving yeah, yeah. his parents because yeah, yeah. they're they're suspecting something is is. And up. He's, he's just repeating it again, yeah. Uh, but still, um, they admitted that these actions were similar to any child growing up and it could just be you know you could you could put it down to imagination uh freaking him out whilst playing and that's why he's having nightmares yeah yeah um yeah that could be a good explanation towards that yeah from july to september the year 2000 james began to tell his parents that the plane in his nightmares was shot down by the japanese after it had taken uh, a hit from a, a ship on the water when James asked if he knew who the pilot was, he simply replied, James. So they're asking him now, who is the bloke Who's that was James, killed? Yeah. And he said, James, and his name was James. Yeah. So, that you know, is he just spouting yes, out a name? Yeah. Or is he really a bloke called James? Yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. 60 is years ago. Is he just ago? saying his name because it's him? And he's, yeah. They asked him what type of plane he was flying in his dreams. Now, this is weird because he said it was a Corsair Okay, so he actually can have a, a specific it's plane. A cor- and yeah. that plane exists. It's yeah. a Corsair. What? Yeah. How do you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you Fuck know that? Hell. Yeah. But after repeated attempts to push for more information, uh, right after nightmares, Bruce and Andrea, his parents, got the word Natoma. So he managed, whilst asking him, whilst he's freaking out, yeah, yeah. you know, he, he said, I'm a plane to Corsair, and, and he'd, he'd say the word Natoma. That means nothing. To them, no, probably means nothing to you. No, it meant nothing to me. It just it may be a second name, that's all I can get out of that. It, it could mean something else. Well, it meant nothing to me right, yeah. at all. Um, on a whim to try and make sense of it all, uh, the boy's father, Bruce, did a simple internet search for the word Natoma. The results there existed an aircraft carrier by the name of USSS Natoma Bay stationed in the Pacific Ocean during World War II. Right now, ah. yeah. So his old man's like, mind fuck. Yeah. But he still wouldn't accept that it was anything other than a coincidence. Yeah. He must have heard it. It must be a coincidence. James Houston Jr. 
which is the person the little boy is claiming to be, uh, was a World War II fighter pilot uh, who was killed in action. In the year 2000, another piece of the puzzle came clear after another nightmare. James gave his parents the name Jack Larson. He said, Larson was with me when I was shot down. So he's getting even yeah. weirder now. Yeah. He said, Corsair. He said, Natoma. Right, Corsair's a plane. Yeah. Natoma is a, an aircraft carrier. Yeah, yeah. And now he's giving them names. Names to other people, yeah. So this is all traceable information yeah. coming from a two-year-old boy yeah. who was dreaming it, apparently. Right, so this geezer called Larson, apparently, as James says, flew what, with What two-year-old kid would come out of Larson as well? You know what I mean? Well, yeah. It's not exactly this, you know, you'd say Mr. Blobby or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To these Bob days. the Builder. Yeah, yeah. SpongeBob. Uh, the next month, James relinquished another piece of information which floored his already sceptical father. Bruce was thumbing through a book called The Battle for Iwo Jima. It's because his interest is he's perked up because his son's being a fucking weirdo. Yeah. So he's starting to look at books and stuff. He didn't do it before. He wasn't interested in it before. So it's nothing the child could have seen. Yeah. He was doing this as a research sort of process to yeah, find yeah, out what yeah, was yeah. going on. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so he was sitting there looking through this book. Uh, when James jumped on his lap to watch cartoons, normal, just watching cartoons, whilst uh, waiting for the cartoons to come on, James looked at the book with his dad and suddenly he pointed to a map of Iwo Jima near a place called Chichijima and said, Daddy, that's where my plane was shot down. Bruce says he almost keeled over. Weeks later, after several in, uh, more oh. internet researches, Bruce stumbled across a website that referred to the Natoma Bay Association. He contacted a, a bloke called Leo Payat, who later said that he was a radio man on an Avenger, on an Avenger fighter plane with a, C, a VC-81 squadron. Bruce obviously was knew that he was talking to somebody that had information, and he didn't want to just dive into it and look like a weirdo, but he said, I, just, I, I couldn't... I had to just ask him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he said, I couldn't hold on to the questions. He asked him if there were any Corsairs flown us off the, N- the Natoma Bay. And Payat says, no, only Avengers and Wildcats. So Not, there were no yeah. Corsairs, okay? Bullshitter, so, you lying little <laughs> fucker. <laughs> <laughs> so Bruce asked if he had flown any missions near Iwo Jima. Uh, Payat said, yes, I've been part of 36 missions. Finally, he came to the real question, the existence of Jack Larson. Uh, Pyatt said he knew Larson but didn't know what had happened to him so he confirmed that this person, person did exist exi- yeah so now there's two people the bloke that he said he, he was yeah and he's also saying oh that's my wingman yeah yeah and they've both proven to have flown the same yeah yeah in the area where he said that he died um after realising so many details from a two-year-old boy were somehow realistic, Bruce became a man possessed, trying to disprove all of these coincidences. He began tracking down military records from across the nation. His ultimate goal was to disprove these coincidences and basically put an end to it because yeah. he didn't believe it. Um, so he needed to find Jack Larson because this is the guy that yeah, his yeah. son claims flew with him 60 years yeah. ago. See if he's still alive and see... Yeah. Exactly. But his dad, Bruce, couldn't find anything on Jack Larson anywhere in the military records after his son had mentioned the name. He searched every list he could find from the US uh, National Archives on the men who died and were stationed at the Natoma Bay and all carriers during World War II. There were several Larsens and Larsons who had died, but no Jack Larson of Natoma Bay. He searched for more than a year with nothing to show. He almost gave up. The real problem here was Bruce was looking for a dead man. So he's searching records, thinking this geezer's dead. After attending a Natoma Bay Association reunion in September 2002, his dad, Bruce, found out that Jack Larson was alive and well. So he was looking in the wrong area. He well, was looking for a dead man. You'd, you'd think he was dead because if he was like the co-pilot or whatever, if you've, he, he may have just assumed that. He might have just might have known someone called Larson who was flying pl- other planes. Yeah. But, but you're going to assume that he was a co-pilot and that he would have died as well. Yeah, he's just trying to piece it together. It's like, this is 1940 fucking whatever. Yeah. And this is the year 2000. Uh, they were flying planes. They weren't... They weren't old blokes back then but they weren't young they were old enough to know how to fly a plane so the chance of him being alive and surviving a war uh, it's a needle yeah, yeah. in the haystack yeah he just assumed he, he was died dead. from age and all, all that as well so but he was alive that's why he couldn't find him so they had a reunion the, re- re- the reunion unearthed something far more imp- important to his son's puzzling nightmares 
After speaking with veterans from the carrier and their families, um, never mentioning the motivation of his son's inexplicable behaviour, Bruce learned that there were 21 men who were lost from the Natoma Bay. So he's sort of being a bit cagey. He's yeah. not telling them. He's not trying to uh, potentially give them information that they could willingly confirm it, even though it's not real. Yeah. He's just probing gently, trying to find out what they know without them knowing his full yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't, he doesn't want to go, <clears throat> my son's saying this. He just wants to try and get the facts out of them before. And this is what he got. James Houston Jr., that's the, the bloke that his little kid yeah. claims to be. He was a fighter pilot in the Pacific Theatre during World War II. The carrier lost 21 men in the Pacific. One of the men was Lieutenant James McCready Houston Jr. from the C, the, the VC-81 Fighter Squadron. He was shot down at the age of 21 on a special strike mission against shipping in ooh, some weird... Futamaiko Harbour. Right, some, okay. Something I'm going to butcher. I apologise if anyone Japanese yeah. is listening to this. Yeah. Um, according to Declassified Aircraft uh, Action reports, Houston had volunteered for the mission, the last mission he would have ever flown before returning to the United States. He was the only pilot from the, the Toma Bay that was shot down there. Yeah. So there was only one guy that went down, and it's the guy. It's yeah. the guy. Yeah, yeah the man that yep. he is. The name stuck out even more in Bruce's mind because the Leningers had also noticed that James had beginning... It was beginning to sign his name on like drawings as James three, the number three. Only his crayon drawings of World War Two planes. Yeah, he wouldn't do it to any others. Only his World War Two planes pictures. He even started saying he was James three. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I am James. Yeah, III. I am. Yeah. What do you, what you want about? It's obvious, isn't it? I'm James three. Um, so th- th- he was doing this month before the the reunion, implying perhaps that since Houston was <coughs> named after his father, Leninger was the third. He he thinks that. He might be the third James because the pilot died was James. His dad was called James. Yeah, he's, he, so yeah. he's like, I'm third James. Third, yeah. yeah. At this point, Bruce said he became frustrated because his quest to disprove the possibility that his son was experiencing a past life were going the wrong way. They yeah, were confirming yeah. it. He was, he was trying to disprove it and it's, it's, it's getting more complex and it's working. Yeah. All he ever drew were planes fighting and he knows the types of planes. I mean, he even draws red suns on the Japanese aircraft. Yeah, so he, yeah, he knows the sign and everything. But after he drew James the Three for the first time, I asked him why he did that. James said, I am the third. I am James Three. He's been calling himself that ever since he was three years old. I think he's struggling with something unresolved or he just wouldn't be still with the drawings of these images. He wanted to... It's like he wanted to claim them. Yeah. Almost, this is yeah, me yeah, yeah. because maybe he felt, I don't know, maybe he felt ugh, lost. Yeah. If he thinks he's meant to be back in the forties, or he's yeah, but, got memories but, from there, but he's but living he's, in the year he, he's a little kid in two thousand. Yeah, determined to fill the missing pieces of the puzzle, Bruce visited Larson in Arkansas. So he went to see him, um, and he asked him about Houston, the the bloke that James is claiming to yeah. be. Uh, Larson said he couldn't remember what happened to Houston but he was sure that his plane was hit by anti-aircraft fire on the 3rd of March, 1945, uh, the day that Houston failed to return from his mission and was pronounced missing in action. Larson had been Houston's wingman during the day runs in uh, Chichajima. So he was the wingman. Yeah. He was. His his son, two-year-old son, was right Yeah, about something that had occurred way before even his parents were born. He was correct. However, Bruce still had hope that all of this talk about past lives was wrong. So he's not having it. He's digging deeper. After vigorously checking into the squadron's aircraft records, he found out that Houston was shot down in a FM-2 Wildcat fighter plane, not a Corsair. Okay. Which he said that it was. Uh, And no one at the reunion mentioned anything about Corsairs taking off from the Natoma Bay. Bruce says this apparent inaccuracy gave him hope that all of this was just a series of coincidences. Yeah, just a massive fluke. Yeah. Well, he's saying, look, the kid's saying that he flew a Corsair off the, um, off the Natoma Bay and everybody there says they didn't no, fly. They didn't go there. Those planes weren't there. Exactly. Just to make sure, Bruce tried to find members of Houston's family. In February 2003, he made contact with Anne Houston, who is um, James Houston's sister, uh, through several phone conversations, um, they all became friends. She agreed to send 
Bruce photos of her brother during his military service. The photos uh, arrived in February and March of 2003. So she's like, they're explaining, uh, my kid seems to think he's your brother. For some reason, yeah. Or he's recalling information that only your brother and the people around your brother at the time should know. Will know, know, yeah. But we're separated by time. 60 years of time has elapsed. So she's like, all right, you know what? I'll just send pictures through anyway. Can't hurt. So she sent pictures. In one of these packages was a photo of Houston standing in front of a Corsair fighter plane. Uh. (laughs) The same kind of plane James had mentioned over and over. According to Bruce, interviews with past servicemen and declassified US military records before Houston joined up within Atoma Bay and the VC-81 squadron, he was part of an elite special squadron, the VF-301 Devil's Disciples from January to August of 1944. The elite test squadron flew Corsairs for carriers, right? So he would be going on and off boats. In a Corsair, yeah, yeah. exactly as the kid described. Only 20 pilots were selected for this assignment. However, the VF-301 squadron was disbanded after eight months and Houston was then transferred to the VC-81 squadron and then Toma in 1944. When he learned this, Bruce says all of his skepticism vanished. He couldn't... He just suddenly accepted it. He says, I don't have an answer for this. I can't explain it. Through it all, there has to be an element of faith. There could st- it could still be a coincidence. It could be dreaming. Uh, there's a lot of odd factors you've got to calculate. You know, lightning can strike once, and you can have a lucky guess once. But to do it eight or nine, nine times, because yeah. that's what was happening. There's all these steps and facts that were which lead to other facts, which, yeah. which are all true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he says he couldn't. He couldn't. He can't. He can't push it away as coincident. Um, Bruce didn't tell Mrs. Barron, the, uh, the the researcher. She didn't. He didn't tell Mrs. Barron about his, uh, his well. He says a supernatural story. I mean, it is a supernatural story. But he didn't tell her until later that fall in October of two thousand and three, when his uh, f- when he finally told her about the possibility of her brother is actually being a part of James. She says she was stunned at first and had to let it all sink in. Then on the fifteenth of October two thousand and three, Bruce and Angie received a letter from her. Uh, along with several other of, Hoos- of, of Houston's personal effects, um, she basically just had to uh, accept that what they were saying was 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 true. Yeah. That somehow, whether her brother is living through a child or that child has memories, either way, that she had to accept it. She right, had to accept yeah. that this this is fact. Um, she said the child couldn't know the things he does. He just couldn't. So I believe he is somehow part of my brother. There are things that you read about. There must be a reason for it, but I have no hint of what it could be. It's a phenomenon that I don't understand. This happened 60 years ago. Yeah. So There is a connection spanning generations between a dead guy. And a a newborn, really. Yeah, and and a baby. Uh, it's it's utterly utterly strange. Um, there's a lot more to this story, but I'm going to go to um, the crash. Let me just find out where that is. Okay, after discovering that the Corsair connection was real, yeah. that they did fly the Corsairs that his son claimed to be, there was one significant detail from James's dreams that needed to be explained. Exactly how the plane was shot down uh, after another wave of nightmares. Bruce and Andrew recalled how James would say his plane was shot in the engine and that he would repeatedly check and make sure fire extinguishers were available and marked wherever they went. So this is a two-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. said, I got shot in the engine. I got burnt to death. That's why I'm checking fire extinguishers because yeah. you never fucking know. So yeah. he's, obsessed with, he's obsessed with burning to death. Health and safety. Health and safety, yeah. He's got a, uh, a beautiful career as a, an annoying person ahead yeah, of him, stopping him, people from working. That everyone hates. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, However, none of Houston's wingmen, Jack Larson or Bob Greenwald or another guy called uh, Matheson Jr. from the C-81 squadron saw his plane get shot down. No one saw it go down, so they can't prove how it happened, uh, mostly because his plane was um, the last to dive in through strafing uh, gunfire. So um, they basically are saying that the, 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 he was the last member of the, of the squadron to, to to basically go on a, on a, on a bombing run. So yeah. his plane was last in the pack, so they were all out and going yeah, yeah. by he, the time he, he went in. in so, yeah, yeah, so if he did go down, 
you know, they would be aware that he went down, but no one saw it because everyone was in front of him. Yeah. Um, which is uh, which is interesting. Um, uh, they say that the squadron realised that his plane was no longer in the air on the second run. So they'd gone down, gone bang, bang, bang. They yeah. turned round, went back again, and was like, where is he? Yeah, he's not there. So they pulled off, and then they searched for debris. They are like, we've got a guy down, and they couldn't find any debris. With no eyewitnesses, they could only believe that Houston had, in fact, been shot down exactly where the child had said. Right. That's the only thing they yeah, can come yeah. to. Um, they can't prove it exactly because no one saw it. Yeah. But how... The, the fact that the, the child was able to locate the area that this happened... Yeah. Is, is just is more than enough. Yeah, well, Ev- definitely, yeah. More than enough evidence. Um, as, of, as luck would have it, in June 2003, another veteran helped Bruce with his research. Uh, an internet posting left by him on an Atoma Bay Association website uh, nearly a year earlier caught the attention of a veteran called Jack Durham. Durham says he saw Houston's plane shot down by anti-aircraft fire and they've actually confirmed this. Yeah. So, and it was hitting the engine and it was on fire when it came down. It's dun, been dun, it's dun, been confirmed. Yeah. There's there's so so much you can go. There's more details, yeah. but I, you know I don't want to read forever. Yeah. But th- you know, th- there's a variety of details that have been confirmed. One or two. You could you could guess one or two, and, that, and that's an absolute top. You could only guess one or two, an absolute top. You could say plane Japan. But not not all the uh, the last and getting the names of people and and the plane exact positions and plane names. Well, he pointed the map. Yeah, and that's where I went yeah, down. Exactly. There. That's a bit more of a coincidence, isn't it? I mean, all this stemmed from a little kid's nightmare about being burnt to death in a plane. Yeah, it, I don't understand. I simply do not understand. I have no. I don't know what the explanation is because I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in heaven. No. I don't believe in hell. I, I I as far as I know, when you're dead. You're dead. Yeah. As far as I know. I might be wrong. I probably am. But there's no evidence for it until you start looking at things like this. But yeah, but the thing is, look, how how do you assess this situation? Do you... I know you're saying you don't know, but there must be... If, if it has happened, there must be some sort of explanation to it. There's something going on. Um, it's like... It's like, like a brain's being passed down. It's like, in a way, isn't it? Or are, are we all one um, <clears throat> one massive consciousness? Do we all is all the information from all human beings available to everybody, and it's only only a certain, few yeah. that can can access it through the certain parts of the brain or whatever? Oh, or. I don't know. It sounds crazy, but how can you explain it? I don't know. It's, it's just... He knew when he he knew at that when he was two that when he could before he could talk, he was aware yeah. of a Corsair plane being shot down after taking off from the Natoma Bay in Japan in World War Two. It's like a br- brain transplant, maybe. That's, that's, yeah, it. Right. that's the most logical thing you could do, but that's impossible. You can take you know it. I mean, at the moment, it's impossible. So, but And obviously, it's 60 years difference as well. So, yeah, you know, it's it's just a weird phenomenon. Yeah, gene memory doesn't explain it. That, no, you know, no, because that's, that's nothing no to link. do with it. Yeah, no that, link. Yeah, that's why uh, the, la- the last two I... I, uh, I um, I, I looked for something that w- there was no no genetic link, so you can rule out a theory of of, uh, of gene memory. Um, it, it'd be interesting. It doesn't say, but it'd be interesting to see if he's got any marks on his body from um, fr- from the actual uh, supposed crash that he was involved yeah. in. Because that 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 other lad, you know, he got a mark on the back of his head where he told his parents that he'd been hit with an axe. Yeah, and when they looked into it. They f- he fucking yeah. had a yeah. fucker. I don't know how he knew and it. And he knew where the body was. He knew where the axe was. And he knew the murderer as well. Yeah, who confessed and went to prison. There's some weird things going on, man. Weird. Th- I mean, like you always hear like... Um, but, you know, it's, it's happened more than once, so... Yeah, yeah, it's... it's you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's not it's, uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what... <laughs> how do you explain yeah, it? I'm a, I'm a lot. No. I mean, yeah, yeah. Same here. It's one of them. How do you explain it? I don't even have any wild theories. No. <laughs> Whatever what it could be. I mean, you know, it's as it, it's kind of like you got to take it at face value. He knows um, whether he is he he's incarnated memory somehow, and it's not not the actual bloke. He's not the fighter pilot, but for some reason. But how do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. but if that's he's the case, somehow how? got the memory. But I don't know, man. We can't or we haven't got a system in place how we can measure what is going on here. 
This seems to be unmeasurable at present. It is. It, well, it is. It's definitely unmeasurable. You, uh, logically, all you could say is it's basically, it's, it's just all guess work, and it's just got it right. That's the only logical thing you can say at the moment. Yeah, but I'd like to see the odds on that. Yeah, that'd be ridiculous. That's what I was saying earlier on. You might as well get him to put the lottery on every bloody week. You'd probably win it every week. No, he's, it can't be coincidence. He says plane crash. He says Corsair. Yeah, he yeah. says Natoma Bay. He said the year. The I, I agree the with sea. you. I agree with you, but logically... The wingman. But logically, and from what we can prove, that is that is the only thing we can go with at the moment. Because we can't prove that... People being reincarnated to other people. We can't prove that things are getting passed around through the air without people knowing or whatever. So that's as mental as it sounds. That's the only logical explanation yeah. at the moment. That's what I mean. Because when I, I read that story, um, thinking, I don't know, do we do reincarnate? I was going to do one on um, alien abduction things. We did the UFOs. Oh yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but I thought, no, I'll, I'll look. I'll look at this. I don't know anything about it. Uh, expecting to read a couple of stories and go. Nah, maybe later. Maybe when I get more information. But I was, I was like, what? How? No, I couldn't believe yeah. it. How the fuck does the little shit know that? Yeah. How the fuck does he know it? How? It's literally impossible, isn't it? How does he know it? Complete coincidence, like I said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but it's, it's, it'd have to be. Like I say, if if you if you did odds on it, it'd be stupid. I don't think it's possible. No. But you could say that about a lot of things in the universe. There's the well, odds yeah. of, well, us being here. You talking to me. Yeah, me talking to you, you talking to me. It's it's, it's where where do you, where do you stop? Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, oh, I don't know, man. It's uh, uh, Maybe someone out there will know and uh, they can tell us. <laughs> well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. If you know, if you've been reincarnated. Yeah, if you've been reincarnated, tell, tell me contactors. how it fucking works. Yeah, you? yeah, yeah. That's it. Does that mean everyone's reincarnated? Oh, let's just say it's real. Yeah. Let's just say it's re- let's just take a leap of faith here. I mean, we talk we talk about mad shit all the time. Let's say it's real. Reincarnation is real, and we only hear about it occasionally. Yeah. Now, d- does that mean that it happens to everyone? And if it doesn't happen to everyone, why does it happen to a few? Yeah. Are they special? Because that's that yeah. seems even more yeah, unlikely. Yeah. If it, yeah, you'd think it'd be more likely. It'd be if that was the case, it'd go to everyone, and it's maybe just their way of unlocking it. Maybe they can just. They can just unlock it somehow. Maybe they are tu- their brain is able to tune into a frequency like a radio, and they're able to literally see the memories of somebody that, ha- that you know that died, and and they think it's a memory, but they're actually just viewing it. Yeah, I don't know. It's a strange one, isn't it? Fucking weird as fuck. Yeah. Well, I think crazy we probably covered a decent amount there. A lot of talking, a lot of uh, reading, uh, and, a, and a fair bit of. Me getting muddled up there. That's only because, like I say, we've been picking up fingers all yeah, morning. Been, um, yeah. yeah, and uh, I didn't have time to to write some stuff. Look, I didn't look. have time to rearrange it and get it all exactly how I wanted it. So you had to sort of bear with us a little bit yeah. there. Uh, apologies for my shit reading, but that's the stories that we've got. And yeah. uh, you you can do your own research, but you can see f- from that that these events do occur. And they are completely unexplainable as far as I'm concerned. Crazy, crazy stuff. That's a wrap, ladies and gents. Okay. We'll do a finger update next week and yeah. see if the old boy's got his finger back on his Yeah, hands. yeah. It's like a murder scene when you come up the drive earlier on. It's like an ISIS video. Yeah, it was. The door and into the kitchen. You could see where it was all going. Crazy. <laughs> Chop sauce. Don't fuck about with them. Yeah. You lose your whole hand. You could do. Yeah. Uh, right then. Robots for Eyes podcast on Facebook. And robotsforeyes at gmail.com if you want to contact us and tell us anything. That'd be great. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in a week. Shut up. See you later.